Good morning and Merry Christmas to everyone. Glad you are with us here at Calvary Heights. Glad you are worshiping with us this morning, whether you're online, in person, however, we are glad to have you. As Leah said, we are deviating just a little bit, taking a, uh, a minor break from our series in 1 Corinthians. Chris will be back next week with 1 Corinthians 14, and we're going to keep plugging away through there. And because I, I feel like, I don't know, this morning in small group, as we were kind of talking about last week's passage, there's just so much we're getting. Um, me personally, I don't know, I hope everybody else is too, but so much I'm getting from that that uh, sermon series and, and 1 Corinthians, and I hope others are, are getting that as well. But we're taking some time today to talk about Christmas a little bit, to celebrate uh, Jesus, the Savior we need. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 2 today. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, you will see that it is up on the screen here behind me. Let's hear the word of the Lord. In those days, a decree came or went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor in Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house in the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I have totally botched that. I'm going to try that again. I missed, a, I missed like the most important word in that sentence. Let me go back to verse 11. I apologize. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see the, this thing that has happened. And the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that they had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen, or for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for this time we have to be in your word. We thank you that even my flubbing up and, and, and getting in my own way doesn't 
make your word less powerful or less true. Father, we thank you that, that your word never falls void. We pray, Lord, that as we, we enter into this time of, of worship through the hearing of your word, you would really speak to our hearts, that you would challenge us, you would convict us, you would draw us close to you. Let us see who Jesus really is. And it's in Jesus' precious and heavenly name I pray, amen. Well, if you're uh, kind of in that certain age range, anytime you hear this passage of Scripture, you almost always hear it in the voice of a small boy, right? Explaining to his best friend what the real meaning of Christmas is, right? Sometimes in my head, the passage even begins with that non-canonical, lights please, right? I, I get that every once in a while, just as I'm hearing it. I want to I hold out, behold, like Linus does every once in a while when I read it. I shouldn't do those things. And, and I'm not saying this stuff to like make light of this passage, but it's to remind us that, that Christmas is often a time that is, that is filled with nostalgia. It's filled with get-togethers. It's, it's filled with parties and traditions. We're much like good old Charlie Brown. We can, we can lose sight of the real meaning of Christmas. I, I think it was Chris and I this morning were talking about things that it's kind of interesting. It's it's Christmas time. It's the time of year where we gather to remember our grandparents' celebration of Christmas, right? That we, we pull out gener- things that we do for traditions that we don't even know how the tradition got started or why the tradition's there. It's just what we have to do. And we don't even know why. See, we, we get caught up in all of that same commercialism that Charlie Brown lamented. We get caught up in all that same busyness. But the thing is, is that we have created it around Christmas. I, I don't see the commercialism here when I read the Scripture. I don't see the busyness here when I read the Scripture. In, in, in doing that, we may even read through this bit of Scripture as we get caught up in all that commercialism, we get caught up in all that busyness. We may read through this bit of Scripture in such a manner that it too becomes just another tradition rather than a time to reflect on on what's recorded here and how significant this event is, not just in world history, but in the history of salvation to the world. See, I want to focus on just how amazing this passage of Scripture is. I want to focus on how important this passage of Scripture is because because we've got to stop and ponder a second. This This is a real event. There are people out there who are going to tell you this is a myth and this is, this is where Christmas started, that this is, this is the legend behind. No, this is a real event. It happened at a real time, in a real place, with real people participating and witnessing. But what is most important here is, is that it brought about real change for all of mankind. Right, this event, this real event that really happened was planned before the beginning of time into eternity past. It is all part of God's marvelous, mysterious plan. Every aspect of this, this singular event was planned before the beginning of all time as we understand it. The who, the what, the when, the where, the why were all planned out by God to unfold exactly as they did. And this is what makes this an amazing story. This is what makes this an amazing passage of Scripture. 
And, and it's great. We can look at this and we can see who the who is in the story. The who is Jesus, right? Now, it's funny because Chris and I are, again, talking about these things. We've, we've all been through some Christmas sermons where they read this passage and there's, there's an emphasis maybe on the angels and them declaring glory to God in the highest and, and peace and favor on those whom, whom God has, has chosen. Or, or there may be some emphasis on, on, on the shepherds. Some congregations this morning might be having an emphasis on Mary. The story in all of this book is always about Jesus. Even from Adam and Eve all the way through to the end of Revelation, it's about Jesus. The who is about Jesus, and the what here is his birth. Right? Verse 11, for unto us, or let me botch it again. Verse 11, for unto you, born this day in the city of David, is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This, this, this happening here, this, this moment where, where Jesus Christ, God the Son, becomes incarnate on earth. This is the day that, that God left heaven to become man. Right? He gave up all the glorious riches of heaven and he came to earth and to live a full human life in order to rescue those who had been rebelling against him since the beginning of time. And I want you to think about it when I say a full human life. I mean a full human life. Nine months in a womb. Full human life. Right? The, the creator and Lord of all the universe gave up all of that to be nine months in a womb. It, it's gross and, and it seems maybe a little harsh, but, but it, Jesus had to be potty trained. Full human life. Right? He had to suffer through all the awkwardness that we go through when we go through puberty. Full human life. Right? Jesus had to watch loved ones die, including the man he knew as his earthly father. Full human life. And then Jesus himself willingly had to suffer and die as well. He gave up all that was in heaven to do that for us. In Colossians 1.16, it says that, that for him, or, or for by him all things are created, in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things are created through him and for him. And that's a, that's a reminder to us that Jesus, God the Son, was part of the plan from the beginning. Jesus, God the Son, helped design this plan. As part of the triune God. He is eternal the same as God the Father is eternal. They are one and the same. They have the same essence. Jesus has always been around. This birth we see announced here in Luke is, is just the beginning of the incarnation of Christ. It's just the initial start of his life and ministry here on earth. Jesus is eternal and has always been. And then we get to the when, right? It's weird to think that the when, the timing of all of this, that was all planned out from the beginning of time as well, right? And in verse 6, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. God, in, in his wisdom, chose this particular time 
This time when Augustus was emperor of Rome, Herod was ruler over Palestine, Quirinius was in Syria overseeing this census, right? This is when God in his infinite wisdom decided that the incarnation should happen. The time was right. Galatians 4, 4, and 5 say that, but when the fullness of time had come, God saw that this was the fullness of time. That when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Wow. So what we read here is that, that in the fullness of time, becoming complete for the incarnation for, of Christ to happen, God decided that it was this moment, this particular moment, this moment that we read about here in Luke 2, this was when the world was ready for its Savior to come to them. This is the moment in which all of the Old Testament had been pointing to. All of, those, all of the law, all of the prophets had been saying, this is the time. Now he has arrived. He is here. And there's a where to this, right? The where of this story is Bethlehem. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And we see that in verse 4. And it's interesting that God chose Bethlehem. At the time of Jesus, Bethlehem is a very small and insignificant community. Uh, it's about six miles south or so of Jerusalem, um, about, a, about a, 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 a little bit more of a, an hour's walk or so from, from Jerusalem. And, and here they are. They're, they're in Bethlehem. It's a small and insignificant community. And today it's still a pretty small city. Roughly 25,000 people currently live in Bethlehem of Palestine. And they live in about a four square mile area. To give you an idea of, of population, Franklin, Indiana and Greenfield, Indiana are both potentially larger than Bethlehem. Okay? The city of Martinsville has twice the land mass as Bethlehem. So Bethlehem may look fairly insignificant, but that small city has been part of God's plan from the beginning. This is the city where Jesse, the father of David, remember who David is, right? David is, is Israel's great king. This is where Jesse lived. It's, it's, this is where Samuel came to, to find David out amongst Jesse's sons to be anointed the king in Israel, right? And it's David's throne that has no end. And it is Jesus, who's born in Bethlehem, who will reign on this throne, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, you are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is the ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from the ancient days. Micah 5.2. The, the Holy Spirit gave this word to Micah well after David's reign to remind people that, that hope was coming. The Messiah was, 
was coming. This, the hope was this, this promised Messiah who would, who would come from the lineage of David and come from the small town of Bethlehem. But then there's the why. We talk about when we, when we teach kids to write, when we talk about looking for things, we tell them to look for the, the, the five W's. Who, what, when, where, why. Right. The why is the most important part sometimes. And for here, in this passage, the why certainly is so important. Go back to verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is the story of the birth of our Savior. The birth of of the Messiah of God. We need a Savior. That's the why. The why is we need a Savior. Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus came to redeem the people of God. Jesus came to restore right relationship between God and man. Jesus came to atone for the sins of mankind. Jesus came to appease the wrath of God that is due because of sin. Matthew 121, in, in, its, in Matthew's recounting of, of the birth of Jesus, it says in 121, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Know something about this. Only God can forgive sins against God. Think about that a minute. I I can't forgive anybody anything that they haven't done to me. My sin is against God. Only God can forgive the sins against him. That's why God sent the eternal son of God into the world. Right? He sent Jesus, who is God, into the world. He is God in human flesh who has come to save people from their sin. That's the why. See, Jesus is the long-predicted, the long-awaited Messiah, the one who brings peace and salvation, and that is good news. See, you and I are in, in desperate need of a Savior. We're in desperate need of salvation. Since Adam, since Adam, Genesis chapter 3, since Adam... Sin in the garden, mankind has been plagued with sin that leads to death and destruction. And because of that, it, it is our very nature to sin. As, as people, as, as humans, as, as we, are, we are just in active, open rebellion against God, the one true God, the God of all creation. And it separates us from him. It separates us from him here on earth, and it separates us from him into eternity as well. And we deserve death for the sin we have afflicted against God. But there is hope. I love it. But God shows us his love for that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. Right, that there's hope and that Jesus, in what he's doing here on the cro- uh, in the manger, eventually to lead him to the cross, is willing to do that from the beginning of this. Right, this, this should cause rejoicing. 
This should cause spontaneous celebration. And, and much like the host of angels who appear and, and call out, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. We should have that kind of joyous celebration knowing that Jesus came to save sinners. That the God of all the universe loves us enough to not leave us stranded in our sin, to not leave us wasting away in brokenness, but he loves us enough to come to earth in human flesh and die so that we may be saved. And and here we are. People who selfishly insist on, on doing things our own way rather than doing things God's way. And we're living in the consequences of that sin right now, right? We're separated out from God because of our sin, and we are separated from Him here on earth as well as being separated from Him into eternity. And this is where we need that good news of Jesus, right? Jesus is that good news. Jesus is the remedy for our sin. That God's love for us is so great that He doesn't want to leave us in our broken, sinful condition. He wants to pull us out of that. And that's that's the beautiful why of this passage. That's the exciting why of this passage. That's the why of all of Scripture. That Jesus came to earth to take on human flesh, live a normal human existence, be tempted by every sin you and I have ever been tempted by, not fall to it so that he may rescue us. Jesus came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He came and lived perfectly according to God's law, fulfilling every aspect of it. Then willingly, he took our sin, he takes our shame, he takes our guilt, and he takes it onto the cross with him. He dies a death he did not deserve. He pays a penalty that he did not owe, and he does it all on behalf of us. Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. Jesus paid the penalty for my sin. Something no one else can do. He was then raised from the dead, providing the only way to be rescued from sin and the only way to be restored to a right relationship with God. I want you to look at something, though. Look at that last little bit of verse 14. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. While the offer of salvation has been made to all, not all will receive that free gift that comes from the work of Jesus Christ. It's a sad truth. It's available to all. It's available to anyone. But not all will receive the free gift that comes from the work of Jesus Christ. Those who repent and believe will receive the blessing of salvation. See, we can hear the good news all the time. And if you've grown up in Morgan County, Indiana, you've heard it a lot. I'm amazed at the number of people who, who I talk to and encounter who can, who can walk me through a gospel presentation and yet never really know Jesus themselves. And it's heartbreaking. But we can hear that good news all the time, but 
simply hearing it isn't enough. It's not. You must admit that you are broken in your sin and you need to be rescued. No amount of trying on your own. Right? No amount of, of, of doing good things. No amount of being generous at Christmas. No amount of, of helping your neighbor is going to get you there. No amount of self-help will rescue you from your sin. You cannot escape your sin on your own. You need to be rescued. There's no way out. I think back to, to the number of times I watched TV as a kid and it seemed like quicksand was going to be much more dangerous in my life than it really is today. Right? It seemed like everywhere you turned, there was quicksand somewhere and you were always chin deep in it. Folks, let me tell you this. The one quicksand in your life that is really there is sin. And you're deeper than chin deep no matter what you do. Your head is already below the surface. You must be rescued. And Jesus Christ is the only one who can rescue you. You must ask God to forgive you. And here's the beautiful thing. When you, when you fall before a holy and just God saying, I'm a sinner and I know I'm a sinner. I need you to fix me. He is faithful and just to forgive those who ask and who turn from their sin and trust in Jesus and put their trust in Jesus alone. It's faithful and just to do that. So what do we do with this? Here is, here is this this beautiful picture of this, this infant being born who has a purpose greater than we understand. A purpose of, of bringing salvation to those who repent and call out to Him. What do we do with this information now that we have it? What does this mean for me this Christmas? If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are curious about what it means to know Jesus Christ, if you are Jesus-adjacent, meaning you like all the things that, that you see that the Bible talks about Jesus, you like all the things that, that Jesus teaches, but you've never committed yourself to being a full-on follower of Jesus Christ, I encourage you to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I would, I would love for you to take the moment right now to just call out to God, asking Him to forgive you of your sin that is against Him. And I'm going to tell you this, if that seems daunting to you, it's okay. There's a lot of us that have felt that way. That we have thought, I, I can't go before the God of all creation and, and admit all these things. And He's just like, no, you can. I love you. I'll hear it out. And if it seems too daunting for you to do it on your own, I understand. And I'm okay with that. Then I encourage you to talk to me. Talk to Pastor Chris. Talk to me. Talk to either one of us about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're watching online right now and you want to know more about following Jesus Christ, I want you to leave us a message in Messenger. I want you to, to put a comment in the comments section. I want you to send us an email at office at calvaryheights.org. We want to have a conversation with you 
about Jesus Christ and what it means to be a real follower of his. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, I want you, I want you to think about this. I want you, as you read this passage at your family's Christmas celebrations, to remember the why of this passage. Because here's the thing, in, in all of our family Christmas celebrations, there seems to almost always be someone there who's Jesus adjacent amongst those of us who are followers of Christ. That, that person who, who likes all the teachings of Christ, who likes all the things that, that are about Christ, but maybe has never crossed all the way over that bridge to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Because, because of that person in, that, in your family celebration, I want you to remember the why. And then as you remember the why, I want you to go out and be like the shepherds. I want you to to go out and be like those shepherds. And look at what it says in verse 17 about the shepherds. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. Those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ have seen it. We know the message concerning this child. And we need to go make that message known. I want you, and and I want to encourage you to go tell everyone you know that the Savior has come, that his name is Jesus, and I want you to, to tell everyone you know that they can experience him, they can know him in a real and personal manner, that the God of all the universe loves them enough that he came down to them humbled himself to be like us so that he may save us. I want you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ this Christmas. The greatest gift you can give is the gospel. And the greatest gift you can receive is salvation through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for the day you've given to us. I thank you for this time we've had to be in your word. I pray, Lord, that as as we get ready to to close out our time of of worship in in a song of of kind of call to action, that as followers of Christ, you would encourage us to keep proclaiming, to be like those shepherds, to go out and proclaim what we have seen here what we have known about this child, Jesus, the Savior of the world. And Father, I pray that as as we have have shared with with folks what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that that there are those who are are curious, I pray you would give them the courage to reach out and to ask, what does it mean to seek out and have those conversations? Father, I pray that as we go from here, we we are just like those shepherds. And that we are, are telling everyone, we make it known. Let us give the gift of the gospel so that others may receive the gift of salvation.